also helping to build houses in the USA with the Habitat of Humanity for Humanity, which recently honored her with a lifetime award. Leela joins us to talk about her passion for serving. And at 5.20 p.m., uh, he has helped to probe space, the final frontier, through his 35 years with NASA, previously as the chief scientist for the Earth observations for the International Space Station, and now as the director of university research and collaboration. Dr. Kamlesh Lula was recently honored with a Carnegie Great Immigrant Great American Award. He calls in today to talk about his remarkable career and what he is working on next and hopes to achieve. And also stay tuned in for news roundup, views, sports, and movie reviews. If you'd like to be featured on the show or to advertise, please contact us at 713-789-6397 or at Indo-American News, that is with two N's, Indo-American News at yahoo.com. Here you go. Well, Jyoti, that was wonderful. We have a new Sanchali here. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, hello, 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 Sanchali. <laughs> I think I'll sh I can say hello <laughs> musically. <laughs> musically. All right. So now, Pramod, you want to do the... Yes. Uh, it's time for the news. Live from Indo-American News Radio, this is Pramod Kulkarni with the latest news from Houston, the United States, India, and around the world. Houston is still reeling from the aftermath of the stampede at Astroworld last night, uh, last weekend rather, during the Travis Scott outdoor concert. On Wednesday night, 22-year-old Bharati Shahani succumbed to her injuries. She was a student at Texas A&M University. Among the nine dead, due through the stampede is Danish Beg, 27, an AT&T district manager in Dallas who was born in Karachi, Pakistan. A nine-year-old child is also on life support. On Friday, the U.S. Department of Labor reported that retail inflation had spiked to 6.2% in October. Economists blame increased consumer demand with the economy returning to normalcy and reduced supply due to ch supply chain issues as a result of the pandemic. While the jobs report indicated robust hiring of 531,000, the U.S. labor market is undergoing an unusual phenomena called the Great Resignation. In September, 164,000 employees quit their jobs raising the total to a record 4.4 million. The number of job vacancies is also a record 10.4 million. In other developments, the Federal Appeals Court in Washington, D.C. has helped the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for companies with more than 100 employees. The court decided the mandate grossly exceeds the Department of Labor's statutory authority. The court ruling doesn't take into account the persistent nature of the COVID pandemic. On Friday, the COVID-19 caseload in the United States was 79,234, an increase of 9% in the 14-day average. The death toll on Friday was 1,120. 
India continues to report low numbers. There were 11,584 cases on Friday, a decrease of 20%. The death toll was 404, a decrease of 30%. And in Europe and Asia, the COVID pandemic is actually surging. When we hear of militants in India, we typically think of Kashmir. However, in a recent incident, militants of the Zomi Revolutionary Army in Assam used IEDs and automatic weapons to ambush a convoy of the 46th Assam Rifles, killing the commander, two of his family members, and four Javans. An Indian techie has become the first Indian American to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. In 2019, Shankar Nagappa, Hangat, killed his wife and three children near Sacramento, California. According to the police, Hangat, 55, was in despair after losing his IT job and said he could no longer provide for his family. In another example of crime affecting the Indian-American community, Puneet Dixit, a McKinsey partner, has been charged with insider trading that helped him make an illegal profit of $500,000. In sports news, Australia and New Zealand will play in the finals of the World T20 Cricket Championship tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. This morning, India honored its sporting best with the Kail Ratna Awards at the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Among the 12 award winners were Olympic champion Javelin Thrower Neeraj Chopra and veteran women's cricket player Mithali Raj. Here in Houston, the Houston, Texas are fortunately on a bye week with a record of one win to eight losses. The return of veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor did not help much in last week's last Saturday's Sunday's loss against the Miami Dolphins. The Houston Rockets are on an even worse losing streak, with a record of one win and 11 losses in their young season. And finally this afternoon, People magazine is reporting that cases of a broken heart syndrome are on the rise among women over 50. The symptoms feel like a heart attack. It is, however, less deadly. Most patients recover in a few days. Some physicians are blaming this phenomenon on the COVID pandemic. That's all the news for now. More news, views, discussions, and music as we continue with the Indo-American News talk show. You got to be kidding me. There's a heart <laughs> Bro- broken heart syndrome? That's right. <laughs> and apparently it has increased... Uh, during the COVID pandemic. Right. Because the support system, you know, you can't meet with your loved ones. So uh, it's hard. I'm sure if its heart is broken, you need to, you know, your friend Saheli to cry upon her shoulder. Right. And if she isn't there or if he's not there, then it's hard. Well, I have a little related story to this. We received our very first hate mail. Oh, really? On, uh, for our, uh, from a, a, a listener who actually wrote in by email to us, so I know who they are. But uh, that's good. But they also say at the end that if, you, if we respond, they're just going to delete the response, so they're not going to listen to it. But this was in response to a comment I made about Senator Ted Cruz, my least favorite senator in Texas, uh, making s- remarks about uh, leaving people to make their own choices about taking the vaccine or not. It should not be mandated, et cetera, et cetera. And I went on to say, to talk about that. 
then this, this gentleman, he actually wrote, he said, um, and I can read uh, a little bit about this. He said, how can a vaccine that is still EUA, and he's very sarcastic, if you know what I mean, be mandated for anyone? No vaccine in history has been ever pushed like this so-called COVID vaccine. It's so obvious what's happening. But it's mind-boggling to know that you guys can't see the big picture. Well, the, the problem is... We do see the big picture. Right, we do see the big picture. And they, they, he starts out by saying, please stop spreading BS on your radio show. Well, I'm glad we hit a nerve with this guy. But, you know, and, and I think uh, what it shows, what I'm amazed at, this person was obviously born in India, came over here, but he was forced to have vaccines in Indian schools. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what makes him so white now that he has to go back and say, I don't want to do it because I'm an anti-vaxxer? Now, Senator Cruz has been on the news again for criticizing Big Bird. He said Big Bird, you know, because Big Bird is in some PR ads about actually doing, uh, uh, promoting the vaccine for little kids. And he's, he's made some sarcastic stuff about Big Bird and how all of that happens. I think uh, Senator Cruz... Uh, at least Big Bird doesn't fly down to Cancun yes. when it's frozen. Right, exactly. But we do know some people who don't have wings who fly down to Cancun. And Jawar, the base reality is that people uh, who are vaccinated have a less chance of uh, COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, we'll be right back. That was really nice to have a first hate mail. I've never received that before. We'll be right back, folks. News Radio. India News. U.S. News. World News. Movie Reviews. And Local Community Roundup. Every Saturday. 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Hi, I'm Jawahar. I'm Sanchali. And I'm Prabhon. Indo-American News Radio. Willie Nanayakra and Associates Attorneys and Counselors at Law specializes in immigration over 35 years of experience. New reforms are coming to the old immigration system. Now is the time to get all your immigration questions answered. Attorney George Willie offers free initial one-on-one -on -one consultation every Thursday, 10 a.m. on Masala Radio 98.7 FM. Willie Nanayakra and Associates Attorney 14141 Southwest Freeway. Visit gwrpc.com call 281-265-2522 One World Bank are the new guys in the neighborhood. We are located at Bel Air and the Beltway across from Home Depot. We offer free business and personal checking accounts and a free safe deposit box with a new checking account. Hurry, supplies are limited. SBA and C-Store loans are our specialty. We have the best tellers and lobby services in Houston. With the great friendly coffee lounge, we offer the best coffee in the neighborhood. Come in for a visit or call 832-802-0900 and ask for Anila Medhi, One World Bank, member FDIC. The only South Asian news radio in Texas. Indo-American Indo News Radio. Every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Our studio number, 281-277-6874. All right, folks, this is Indo-American News Radio. We're back. If you want to call us, you can call us at 281-277-6874. And you can even send us a hate email if you want. <laughs> 
Well, we appreciate the love emails more. <laughs> well, one person who we are going to have next who might help us with people who are hateful and scornful and so on and so forth, making sense of some of this stuff, is, uh, is David Mitchum, who is an assistant to Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg and has been um, in private practice before. He, his, his, his bio actually starts out by saying he was an Eagle Scout. Oh, wow. And he grew up in Houston and was educated in the public schools. He attended the University of Texas at Austin, graduating with honors in English. He went on to receive his Juris Doctorate degree from the University of Texas Law. And he's licensed at the state of Texas in 1970. 1980-84, he was Harris County Prosecutor under the then District Attorney Johnny Holmes. Remember Johnny Mm -hmm. Holmes? And assigned to the Trial Bureau in the calendar year 83, he represented the state as lead counsel in more felony jury trials and secured more felony jury trial convictions than any other prosecutor in the DA's office. Bravo, David. That's really great. And uh, then he's been, from 84 to 2060, actively engaged in private practice. Uh, He was later on elected to the president of Harris County Criminal Lawyers Association and uh, recognized by his peers as the Attorney of the Year Award in 2001. Uh, For more than 30 years, he's been board certified in criminal law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Hello, David. Good to have you with us. Uh, it's good to be here, Jay. Thank you for uh, inviting me to visit with you. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, I don't know if you heard the earlier part of the show, but we started out by talking about somebody who was really peeved at us for what we said. But um, that kind of, in a roundabout kind of way, brings us to to people who get peeved and then they, they break the law and then they have to be bailed out and come back and re and and do the nasty things all over again. I mean, this is a pretty perverse process. Uh, what? How can you shed some light on this? Well, one of the the problems that we're experiencing down at the uh, criminal courthouse is the phenomena of repeated uh, felony defend defendants on repeated felony bonds and violent bonds. The release of violent and repeated felons, as well as other uh, individuals charged with uh, crimes over and over, uh, has created all kinds of problems and has jeopardized public safety here in Harris County, in my view. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, So, and that's, it's been a, uh, there's been a lot of talk about bail recently, and that a lot of these criminals are reoffending, as you said. Um, some people say that your office, the DA's office, has changed their position on bail. Is this true? No, no. Uh, where that comes from is the, uh, the O'Donnell lawsuit. That was a federal lawsuit, and it, it focused on misdemeanor uh, offenders and uh, whether or not they should, they should be held in custody essentially longer than they would probably get if they were convicted of the of the offense. Uh, and we were against that, and uh, we joined initially uh, with the uh, thinking of the plaintiffs in that lawsuit, that federal lawsuit, but it's kind of turned out to be a shell game. We start off with poor Miss O'Donnell having to spend a, a long weekend in jail because she failed to pay her insurance 
uh, on her car and then picked up a case and got her license suspended, which is pretty minor offense. And what it's morphed into over the years is the release of violent offenders multiple times where they go out and commit new offenses and get new bonds. This is a new phenomenon which did not which virtually did not exist five, six years ago. Well and so it's a, break, uh, it's a radical break. Well, you know, um not too long ago we had with us uh uh councilman um, Michael Kubosh, he was on our show a couple of times. As you know, he's been in the Bills Bond business for a long time uh, and retired recently. But um, he mentioned that the bonds that are set, if let's say it, the, the, uh, it's a hundred thousand, then you can you can get uh, you, you can post ten percent of that as as the bond, and then you can actually be released from jail. So, um, it, I, I believe you mentioned to me that that there's that's not entirely true, and that the you, the bonds can be refuted or revoked. And I didn't understand the well, difference. First of all, the ten percent amount was the traditional amount that bondsmen uh, charged for for bail bonds for for many many years. I've I've been in practice in Harris County over forty years and a close observer. Of this process, however, with the with the the new perspective on bail that that's coming from some of our courts, um, the bondsmen have reacted to market forces basically, and now a person could pay ten percent upfront. If but if they shop around, they can. We believe, based on anecdotal uh, evidence, that that you can post a bond for much less than that now, 1% or 2%, then maybe be placed out on payout. Additionally, there, traditionally, the with a bail bond, someone had to stand good for the face amount of the bond, either right. the defendant or, or the surety. Right. Uh, and if the bond is forfeited, then even today you, the, the person that, that stood good on the bond would be faced with having to... Uh, pay the face amount of the bond. However, if the bond is revoked, they don't. So, and what is the face value of the bond? What is the face value Sorry? of the bond? If it's a hundred thousand well, like, dollar bail that's set, the bond is only a thousand dollars. Let's say the face amount of the bond is a thousand dollars. So, if somebody puts up surety, they lose a thousand bucks. Well, the the face amount of the bond is a thousand. What's called the premium is the is what the uh, individual puts up traditionally it's been ten percent, but today we believe it, it in many cases is much less than that. And then the the requirements are that the defendant we really want two things from a defendant. One, we want them to show up in court, somebody that's on bond, show up in court when they're supposed to, and two, we want them to behave on bond, not engage in conduct that's liable to get them arrested. Yep. And when they do, then if that occurs, if they if they pick up a new offense while on bond for an offense, well, then we believe they should be they should be subject to graduated sanctions. In other words, they shouldn't necessarily get a bond again. Or if they do, there should be additional restrictions to it. And then if it happens uh, again, then there should be. Uh, they may not be bond material. Well, but stay and, with me, David. I, I was still trying to figure out if it's a hun- okay. if it's a thousand dollar bond that's been posted, then 
and the guy skips uh, on these conditions. Then, and uh, Uncle Bill had put the thousand bucks up for the bond. Does Uncle Bill then have to pay the thousand dollars plus interest? Yes, the bonding agency does have to pay the face amount. No, the, but Uncle yeah. Bill would be paying the bonding yeah. agency. Yeah. He yeah. would pay a hundred dollars, the premium. If, no, I'm sorry, but if the, the court forfeits the bond, Yes. If the court, on the other hand, revokes the bond, which we're seeing a lot down at the courthouse, uh-huh. the bondsman is just off the hook. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And, 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 and just briefly, let me explain the difference between forfeiture and revocation. The one thing, the, uh, a, a defendant and an surety would be subject to a bond forfeiture for non-appearance. If, they do not, if the defendant does not show up in court, then that's when a bond forfeiture is appropriate. Now, a revocation, on the other hand, is when there's a violation of bond conditions, like Uh. if there was a bond condition for a curfew or to leave the complaining witness alone or not to pick up another case, not to be charged with another case, not to have some judge or grand jury determine there's probable cause that the person who was on bond now has committed a new offense. That would be matters that would be subject to revocation. Now, it wouldn't be fair to hold the bondsman responsible for the conduct of the defendant while he's on bond. What the bondsman's responsible for is getting the the defendant's person, his body, into court. And so with a revocation, the bondsman is not responsible and doesn't have to pay the money. Mm -hmm. With with a forfeiture, they may have to. Well, right. so, there's got to be a better, yeah, mu- better mousetrap than this to get people to come back to court and not to commit these offenses, right? Well, there, there's, there's different systems in, a, in America and in Texas in the, in the sense that in our juvenile system and in the federal system, they, they do it differently. By and large, in, the, in those two systems, you, they either, you're either locked up or you're not. In other words, with the juvenile system, after a hearing is made uh, and determined uh, for the appropriate uh, action, either the juvenile is released to his parents or guardian or they're put into custody. That's one example of of a system that doesn't use this type of bail bonds. In the same way in the federal system, by and large, it's either either the federal magistrate will put the defendant in custody based on the gravity of the offense and the, and the prospects of flight, or they will put them on some kind of PR bond. But what the feds do not tolerate is, is reoffending while on bond. And, what's, and that's, that's the distinction of what's happened uh, at, a, at, our, at our state courthouse. There's been many, many instances of individuals that are on serious bonds going out, picking up new serious offenses or and then getting new bonds. Yeah, over that's... and over again, I've seen cases where individuals have had 8, 9, 15 bonds. Wow, wow. that's totally unacceptable. It is unacceptable. Yeah. And that is one of the driving forces of why there's been an increase in crime. It, it, it stands to reason that if you, if you allow an individual that's charged with a violent offense to bond out repeatedly... That's going to increase the crime rate. Right. 
And uh, David, is this part of uh, uh, Kim Og's office changing its position on bail? We have not changed our position on bail. Oh, okay. At no point did we ever subscribe to this this repeated release of of, of felons of individuals uh, charged with felonious conduct. We've never we never agreed to that. What what occurred though was that there has been a change in in the uh, orders coming out of some of our courts. It's not all of our courts, but in some of the courts. They're, they're, we're having these multiple, concurrent, repeat, violent offenders being released on bond, and we have been opposed to that ever since we became aware that this w- was occurring within our court. So it sh- that should mean that, that uh, we should elect judges based on their position on, on at least this one important topic. Yeah. I believe that this is the topic of the moment in criminal justice in Harris County. And I, I also believe to, to cast an intelligent ballot on this, uh, a voter needs to, to do some, some checking into, some research on, on the candidates. The, the incumbent judges are going to have a record. Yes. And, you know, their records will vary. Some will be better on this issue than others. But I would urge all of my fellow citizens that are going to be voting to, to this next uh, election, both in the primary and in the general, to take a hard look at the bond record of the, of the incumbent judges, and I guess also <laughs> take into consideration the, the political position of any insurgent or any, anyone uh, opposed to the incumbent judge. But yes. this is the issue of the day, in my view, in criminal justice. Uh, that's certainly true. And for the education of our audience, David, uh, who decides how much bail someone gets and what role does your office play in that process? All right. Um, both the, but it, we have an adversary system in this country where we have a, the, the, the state, which is represented by the district attorney's office, uh, and we have de- the defense on the other uh, on the other side, uh, defending the, the constitutional rights of the defendant. The the prosecutor uh, representing the state recommends to the judge a bond, as does the uh, defense attorney. But but the power to set bond, the power to raise bonds, the power to revoke bonds, the power to forfeit bonds is exclusively with the judge on the bench. Uh-huh. Really, the, the judge on the bench really has two main jobs, basically. One is bail, determining bail and the, and the conditions of bail and, and, what, and what defendants are going to be released back into society pending trial. And the other great responsibility of the judges is trial itself, to be conducting trial. Correct. And uh, in some of the courts, they have been, they are engaging in multiple repeat violent offenders being released. For example, just a, a recently there was a case where a defendant recently got out of the penitentiary on a violent offense, was charged with shortly thereafter with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, trying to run over an estranged girlfriend with his car. Shortly after, and then he gets out on bond. Then shortly thereafter, he gets charged with capital murder. 
in a in a incident that didn't go as well as people might have hoped. At any rate, he's charged with capital murder. He's a, a, a an ex-con uh, right out of the penitentiary, and he gets another bond. Uh huh. Well uh-huh. then, and then now we wait a few months. And, and during the few uh, months, he's out on the streets. He's out on the streets, but we do know now he is charged with another capital murder. Wow. Running over a 72-year-old mother and grandmother who, who was trying to buy a burger at McDonald's. Uh, one of, he's in a, in a, and he, now he's alleged to have committed a second capital murder. Wow. This is an example of the, of the, Situ- of the dangers the, involved. Right. So now, uh, folks, we're talking to David Mitchum. He's the assistant to uh, Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg, and we're talking about bail bonds and, and trying to get an idea of what, how to maybe tackle this, uh, reform it, it, it among us listeners mostly. But we, we'll be back with him after a few messages. David, we're going to be going to a commercial break for in about 40 seconds. But when we come back, I would like for you to, to, to explain to people how many courts there are in the district, how many courts are involved, something like 40 or 40 district courts or some, some numbers like this. And then how can we get a handle on that? I mean, when we go to elect uh, judges, we don't sit there and get a barometer that says, hey, these, this is their, their, their track record on bails. So when we come back, uh, David, we'll be talking more about that. And hopefully okay. you can educate us. Well, this is Indo-American News Radio, folks. We'll be back after these messages. Don't go away. 281-277-6874 is the number. Indo-American News Radio. India News. U.S. News. World News. Movie Reviews. And Local Community Roundup. Every Saturday. 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Hi, I'm Jawahar. I'm Sanchali. And I'm Prabhon. Indo-American News Radio. मेरे हाथों में उनका हाथ हो हम हमेशा के लिए एक साथ हो सात जन्मों के रिश्ते की महाराजा से शुरुआत हो Exclusive engagement rings by Maharaja Diamonds May your love last as long as our diamonds forever Raja Jewelers, bringing diamonds to life. 5821 Hillcroft, 713-784-5673. Embassy Suites, come relax in our indoor pool or host your event in our ballroom. Perfect for weddings, receptions and sangeet. State-of-the-art ballrooms, in-house, South Asian and continental cuisines. Outside catering is allowed. Two locations, Energy Corridor and KT. To see our hotel or for ballroom bookings, call Anam Shabir, 832-391-6259. Embassy Suites, raising the bar. Looking for fresh homemade spices? Chandrika Masala is the place. Chandrika Masala Retail Outlet at Factory Location, 13220 Morphy Road. Chandrika Masala, 100% homemade spices, atas and chutneys. 713-789-3088. Chandrikamasala.com. 713-789-3088. 
the only South Asian news radio in Texas. Indo-American News Radio. Every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Our studio number, 281-277-6874. All right, folks, we're back again. We're talking to David Mitchum. David, we had talked about knowing more about the court system. We've got about 10 minutes to, to discuss this. How many courts okay. are there? Well, there's different types of courts. Um, and, and there's both criminal and civil. I'll, I'll focus on the, on the criminal since that's our, our topic. We have, um, we have 23 district criminal district courts that handle felonies um, and we have 16 county criminal court at law uh, courts that handle misdemeanors we also have 16 justice of the peace courts but but they don't they don't handle jailable offenses those are uh, the uh, level that where it's, it's a fine only uh, in the the 22 district courts that we have, we also have a couple of emergency courts that have been formed uh, to try to deal with the, with the backlog that we have, um, as well as a, an impact court. And so we have roughly about uh, 40, in mid-40s in the number of courts that can address the felony problems that we have in this county. Uh, David, does this include the traffic court? Or is that separate? No, no, those are... Well, JP court, Justice of the Peace Courts handle traffic matters outside the city of, uh, of Houston and outside of municipalities. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, David, is it fair to say that each one of these district courts or, the, or uh, that you mentioned, the 40 and then the 16, uh, the um, uh, county-at-law courts, county-at-law courts, um, they have thousands of cases? Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and do you have, have thousands of prosecutors that handling <laughs> these cases? We, we do not have thousands of prosecutors. <laughs> we are woefully under-resourced uh, at the DA's office. We have the, the caseload in these, these courts, in part because of the pandemic and the flood, Harvey, have, have really dramatically risen in the past few years. Uh, they've gone roughly from uh, in the in the district courts from around uh, 900 to a thousand up to about 2,500. Wow! But we have the same number of prosecutors basically. So no, but uh, you, you, the prosecutors are all part of the Harris County, uh, your office, right? Yes. Yes. We so how many prosecutors state. are there in in Harris County? In Harris County, in the district attorney's office, we have approximately 360 uh, assistant district attorneys well, now uh, to prosecute the crime. That's a lot less than, and, and for a population of about 6 million people, I would imagine, isn't that a lot less than, than uh, Manhattan itself? Manhattan's got 500. Yes, I, yes uh, we, we, as a matter of fact, we, we visited with the Manhattan uh, district attorney uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to share ideas and to give you a perspective on, on where we are in Harris County. Manhattan has a they serve a population of 1.2 million uh-huh. and they have 560 prosecutors. Whoa! We serve a population of a little under five million, 
and we have 360. The the city that's the closest to Houston uh, would be Chicago, wouldn't it? Would be Chicago, yes. It would be Cook County. Uh In Cook County, the district attorney up there, uh, they have over a thousand prosecutors. Get out of here. So we've got we're basically three times short compared to a city of the comparable size. We are the most under-resourced district attorney's office amongst major metropolitan counties in the country. So why can't we just go ahead and hire a whole bunch of district prosecutors? Well, that that is up to commissioner's court and, and their wisdom. And the money. And so, yeah, the budgets. And, well, they're the, they're the ones that determine how to spend the money, and they've, they've spent it in other ways. We're hoping that they will give us some relief soon. Well, we have massive caseloads. We're beginning to have more trials now that the pandemic has subsided, and we need more resources if we're going to keep the public safe. So if if you don't prosecute these people and go to a final judgment on the, on the cases, then either they skip bail, they're on bail or they skip bail, or they're in jail, but there's not enough jail cells. Right. Well, that's 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 problematic as well, and I would I would I would submit that this is another area that commissioners' court needs to address. Uh, we have at least one vacant jail that, that could be refurbished. It's referred to as Little Baker, with a with some money that could be refurbished if we needed more beds. Um, but uh, we do, we we need the jail space to be able to effectively protect the, the public. Well, yeah, and David, uh, uh, because um, the uh, the massive caseloads, is there a tendency on the prosecutors to just go for a settlement? Well, as a practical matter, you you have to try to move the docket, in, uh-huh. you know, in a way consistent with justice. But also at the same time, we have to try to to to, to get the the cases disposed and resolved in a timely and orderly fashion. And so, yes, I mean, we have, that, that's just required, and we, we do it in a manner is, is to see that justice is done, um, but not every case can be tried, or we would need to have uh, 10 courthouses. Well, that's so cases true. do settle. Right, yeah. So they, they do settle, and, uh, well, David, we are only about a minute and a half away from concluding this this interview, but uh, we'd love to have you back because this is a fascinating issue. Yeah, and we've learned a lot in just these uh, 30 minutes. Right. and, well, and, I've, and I've really enjoyed visiting with y'all. Well, thank you so much. We, so have I, and so have we, rather. But one thought I'd like to leave our listeners with is try to understand who is running for, for to, to become a judge and why and what their, their, their track record is if they're incumbents. And especially keep this in mind. I mean, uh, we don't have an infinite amount of money to be prosecuting and jailing people. And at the same time, we, d- we want to make sure that people like David uh, aren't overworked. Otherwise, they'll get up and leave. So then we're left with nothing. Uh, David, well, thank- we, we don't mind being overworked <laughs> as much as, as we need to get the job done. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, we are very concerned about the release of repeat violent offenders under our streets and uh, and you are exactly right jay the the public need the voting voting public needs to take a hard look at the judges because they are the responsible parties and to decide who you want making these decisions yeah uh, it's just and 
I do believe that there will be parties uh, out there that may make it their business to try to educate the public at that. I'm certainly hope, hoping that the, the full truth will come out so that the voters can make an intelligent decision when they cast their ballot. So we're talking about at least 40 judgeships that, that are out there. Not all of well, them are being elected. Not all up for election. Correct. Not all up for election at the same time. They have staggered. Yeah, uh, correct. About ha- roughly about half. Right, right. Up for election. Right. Well, David, I want to I emphasize this is not a problem in all the courts, but in some of our courts it is. Well, then next time you're on the air with us, uh, David, maybe you can tell us who are the problem judges that we need to deal <laughs> with. <laughs> I don't know if you'll go there. <laughs> well, they, if, if there's, there's, there are limitations that, that we have to observe as, as sitting prosecutors when we have pending cases oh, that yes. are going before judges. Right. So naming names and naming, like I didn't name the defendants because I don't want to prejudice their rights. At this, of course. At, this, at this point, and uh, with the with the judges, uh, their record they have public records that that can, that can be looked into by by voters that you know that are motivated to find out who's representing them on the on the bench. Right, and and I want to leave my community with one challenge before we let you go, David. I'd like for you to hear this. The challenge is this: we have amongst our community a number of attorneys. Uh, a lot of attorneys now, yeah. and and many of them are either judges or running for judge. Uh, judge Sandhill is a good friend of ours. Right. Manpreet Kaur Singh is running for district court number four. Uh, so, uh, and what I would like for them to do is to take the ball and run with it and, and educate us as to you know what to look out for. I mean, we can talk amongst us as our community, right? Certainly. Yeah, David, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Jay. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, so have we. Thank you so much, and you have a good, uh, good thanks, Yumi. Take Thank care. Thank you. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, well, we learned a number of things there, Dave. I mean, David, David's <laughs> gone. <laughs> promote, uh, promote, we do have something that we talk, need to talk about. We have the Houston Botanic Garden Lightscape Trail. Oh, yes. It's on November the 14th. Oh, okay. And uh, tickets are currently available. You actually wrote about this. Right. And uh, Jyoti and I went uh, for the inauguration of the Houston Botanic Garden. Mm-hmm. And it was quite amazing. It was still under construction, but... Uh, and uh, I'm so glad now uh, that they're doing this. Uh, they have like, uh, the first section is, you know, it's like you can see all the lovely plants and different species and different uh, uh, trees, etc. And then there's another section which is meant for children. Wow. So I would love to see what they have done now. It's been over a year and a half, I think, since I went. Yeah, uh, certainly. And now the Houston Botanic Garden will sparkle this holiday season with Lightscape, a world-renowned light show featuring an array of enchanting artistic installations that will elicit wonder and joy as they dazzle the senses. Uh, Lightscape will immerse the visitors of all ages in a first-of-kind for Houston experience with a wide array of brightly colored festive installations by local and international artists tailored in the garden's distinctive landscape. In addition to special lighting that will transform existing plants and trees in the garden in spectacular ways, including an electric forest uh, of dramatically lit mature overstory trees in the woodland glade 
and the neon strings stretched tautly along the coastal prairie loop to give a bend in the trail a gradient glow. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lightscape <laughs> will present uh, quite a few show and it's well worth attending. So do go to the Houston Botanic Garden website and try to buy the tickets as early as possible. I did yesterday. I actually went there and I, I put in my uh, my card and, and so on. I've got four tickets. Oh, wow. wonderful. Okay. So uh, it's very... We should take our grandchildren. Yes, yes, really. Manasi and William, yeah. Yeah, th this is really lovely. And uh, so uh, there is a special media day, by the way, on the 18th. Right. And then the pricing seems to be very reasonable. Tickets are on sale now. And the pricing starts at $23 for adults and $16 for children on six off-peak days, December 1st and 2nd, 8, 9, and 15, 16. Yeah, uh, pricing for all the remaining dates is twenty-five dollars for adults and eighteen dollars for children. Right, and those with garden memberships will receive a two-dollar discount of regular ticket prices. And tell them Indo-American News sent you. Yes, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, we, we've got about four minutes before we go to our next commercial break, and I just wanted to point out that there's a movie called. Eternals. Oh, okay. That's come out. It's a new Marvel comics uh, type of movie. And uh, one of the guys who's playing in there is Kumal Nanjiani. Oh, okay. He's Pakistani-American. Oh, yeah. We know of him. He yeah. has done several other movies. He has. He has. And it's so it was really amazing that he's got a, a very big role in this movie. Ah. So, and I think it's a very uh, dramatic and uh, spectacular screening. And uh, it's IMAX as well. Oh, is it? Is it out in the theater then? Yes, so it's yes, not in it like, is. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's actually uh, the director is Cha uh, Dao, I think. Uh, I've forgotten her full name, but uh, uh, it's. I think she's the one who did. Uh, uh, Chloe, yeah, it's Chloe Zhao. Yeah, she did uh, the movie with Francis McDermott about uh, what are those uh, people who are. Uh, uh, abandoned, they go from uh, in their. Oh treasures. yeah, yes, right, right. Uh, the uh, the one about the nomads. The, the nomad, nomad, nomad land. Nomad land. Yeah, right. You yeah. you reviewed that movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah. certainly. Yeah. And so quickly, I have forgotten. <laughs> so quickly, you've forgotten. Another Indian, uh, well, not necessarily Indian, South Asian, who was here performing last week. Mm -hmm. Was uh, Hasan Minaj? Right. Yes. And I missed it, but I I understand that he was really good. Yeah, and, you know, if you've uh, watched his show, um, and I think it was on Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, and he makes wonderful co commentaries. Yes, he does. Uh, he's uh, progressive, but uh, uh, we are also progressive. We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. We could be the Hasan Minaj of the Houston scene. That's right. And toni tonight at this Diwali party that we have, we're going to go and prove it. <laughs> Why not? I love because he is uh, very um, fact-based and uh, very, makes very intelligent remarks. And behind him, there's and a and huge staff, yeah. and they uh, do spectacular research. And then he makes biting comments, which are quite relevant. Right, right. He's kind of the nicer Russell Peters. Yeah. Russell Peters makes, he offends And one thing we, men we should mention is that Diwali dinner, which you attended mm -hmm. with uh, 
uh, elected officials and the Hindu leaders of Houston. Right. It was the main story in our newspaper this Friday. Right. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Um, by the way, uh, the climate control uh, conferences over COP now in 20, Glasgow. Yeah, COP26 COP in Scotland. And there's a number of interesting little things that have come out from this. Did you know that of all the, uh, the CO2 emissions, the United States is responsible for 24.6%. Wow. Then China at 13.9%. Mm-hmm. And then India. Yeah, we are the third. India at, uh, at yeah, something like uh, 3.2%. doesn't yeah. seem like That's a lot, but it's a lot. Because our energy is all coal burned, right? Correct. But when you see the rate of acceleration, yeah, the United States rate has come down, but India's and China's has ex- accelerated. Yeah, so it's quite a difference. And I think um, India is actually willing to take responsibility for its role in uh, climate change. But China and the U.S. seem little hesitant to take the role and take the leadership role, even though President Biden is uh, front and center. But I don't think the Congress and the other political leaders are so much but behind him. Did I see that we needed some money and we were asking for like a billion dollars or some such yeah, thing? Yeah. I, I might be wrong, but I'm it's, not It's very. billions of dollars, but they actually <laughs> just recently, uh, just earlier before the show started, they've come to a compromise and they, oh, right. the rich countries are willing to pay s- poorer, lesser developed countries to start doing sustainables and renewables. Okay. So uh, so there'll be some, but it would, won't be as much as they had asked for. Right. Well, folks, uh, we, this is Indo-American News Radio. We are just a, a gaggle of information of all sorts, right? <laughs> That's you, right. You come to us and we can tell you all sorts of tidbits. We will be joined by Leela Krishnamurthy, who's uh, our, our um, lady of substance. Yes. Right after these messages. You're listening to Masala Radio, 107.5 KGLK, HD4, Lake Jackson, and 98.7 FM, K254BZ, Fairbanks. Masala! This is Sandhya Tucker, and yes, I just had full face and neck all therapy at Amerijuve. Truthfully, it was a little uncomfortable as the energy zapped in deep to reactivate my own collagen. But the results are amazing. Chin lifted and tightened. Fine lines and wrinkles disappearing. Dark spots definitely faded. I am so excited. Optimum results are yet to come after three to six months and will last for years. For your complimentary all therapy consultation, Call Ameriju, 713-960-6262. Masala Radio is immediately hiring two full-time positions in Sugarland, looking for creative people who are computer, smartphone, and social media savvy, knowledgeable in Bollywood, and with a fun, positive personality. We'll train no experience necessary. Email resumes to admin at masalaradio.com. This is Sherryar. Come visit us at my Kalachi, Sugarland, and Dallas. Fusion of Pakistani and Indian cuisines. We specialize in kebabs and karais. If you ever have our Loki Kahalwa, I bet you will come back for more. Kalachi Fine Dining. Come visit the Sugarland location, 59 and William Strace. Next to Home Depot. For catering, call 281-240-0786. The best Pakistani and Indian fusion in Houston. This is Sherry R. Yeah, Kolachi Ki Kahani.
exclusive furniture gives you more during our incredible pre-Thanksgiving sale. We are giving holiday savings of 25% off furniture and free delivery. Or we are giving no interest for 72 months. And we will deliver before Thanksgiving, guaranteed. Get your home holiday ready and bring home the savings during our pre-Thanksgiving sale going on now. Only at Exclusive Furniture, where low prices live. Exclusive Furniture, where low prices live. The only South Asian news radio in Texas. In, in, in news radio. Every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Our studio number, 281-277-6874. All right, folks, we're back. And now we're going to have our first uh, guest uh, with... Um, Oh, with that Jyoti is going to introduce, and she keeps on losing my my my. my <laughs> there we go, Jyoti. There you are, and she's on the phone right now. So oh, okay. Um, I'm to yeah. I'm going to introduce you to Leela Krishnamurthy. Uh, actually, she doesn't need introduction, Jay. She has been in the community. She's like a exemplary citizen. She and Nat uh, exemplify what Absolutely. a good citizen should be um, in the mainstream community, in our Indian community, in the uh, in in all respects. Uh, I mean, she's on the. She has. Uh, you know, she has. Uh, served on the board of, or she is on the board of Shankara, or Sankara Ophthalmic Foundation. Shankara Netralia. Yeah, it's Netralia Ophthalmic Foundation, as it is called, in Chennai. And, of course, her uh, uh, work uh, for Habitat for Humanity is also well-known. She was recently recognized for it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, besides all this, she's also in the art scene. Yes. Uh, I talk about music, but she has been on all the musical boards. She has, she has hosted many artists at home. And besides all that, she's a wonderful friend. Right. And, she's and a great human being. Uh, both Nat and uh, Leela are just uh, are just uh, what should I say, uh, maniks of our community. They're they're very loving people, very generous, very generous, and yeah. very kind, helpful. Yes, and also uh, she's been involved with UNICEF. Yes, you, she's been involved in countless uh, charities. It's it's hard to believe that right. that, and she's been a big supporter of ours too. Uh, certainly, uh, she supports our uh, movie reviews. Uh, movie reviews, Leela, it's so good to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much. Hi, Leela. Thank you. Thank you, Jyoti, for this oh, no, incredible you, introduction. No, no, you d absolutely deserve it. And uh, we are so fortunate to have you as a friend, as a supporter, as our community member. It's a great privilege to know you and both you and Nat as well. So, thank you so much. We both, Nat and I, are a team. Right. Yes. And that's how we operate. And... Uh, that's how we're able to do, uh, you know, whatever we've been doing. Right, of course. Yeah. And also very strong support from the family. Sure. As you know, the family was here full force when I received the award from Habitat. They all just came. just about two or three weeks ago. Yes, that was October nineteenth. Right, and they were very much here and. Uh, as uh, a team, like Leela was talking about, there's such a team that if I call Leela and leave a message, I get a response back from Nat. 
<laughs> you know what? The other good thing about Leela is that she has a fantastic sense of humor. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Leela, tell oh, us. Yes. Is Nat there too? Yes, very He's much so. He's in the background. He's in the background. <laughs> yes, very much so. Well, tell us, uh, how do you guys, you know, get this kind of energy? Now, you're getting up in the years. I'm not saying anything here, but, but, but how do you get so much energy despite you've had a few health issues from in the, in recently? No, I've, I've had um, all kinds of health issues. We won't go into that, but I think the energy comes from purely from passion. Passion to help, passion to to, you know, the cause. And that is what I think motivates both of us to do whatever we're doing. And we're not counting the number of years or anything. We just use all the energy we can for the causes that we are involved in. And I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about habitats, which I'm very passionate about. And... How long have you been involved in Habitat? Actually, the Habitat goes way, uh, I think it was in the 20s when, was it? No, 19. Yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, it got its impetus under President Carter. Carter, right. Oh, oh, you're talking about Habitat, Habitat, oh no. Millard Fuller is the one who's who's responsible for Habitat for Humanity. Oh, okay. Then uh, President Carter took it up as his cause. And because he's so famous, uh, nobody even knows that Millard Fuller is the one who started Habitat. Oh, okay. oh, right. And, uh, but then Habitat in Houston was established by Carl Umland, who he was the one who, and that was the award which was given to me. Mm-hmm. In recognition of the person who started uh, Houston's Habitat. Yes. I want to take this opportunity to thank um, Alison Hay, the director of our Habitat, for nominating me. It was a total surprise. I was totally surprised that I was nominated. That w- I didn't expect this at all. That was a very nice video they made for, uh, for that uh, award. And, and for folks who haven't seen this, but I guess you could see this if you go to a Habitat for Humanity, right? The, the website? website. Yes, it's on the website. It's a beautiful video on Leela. It goes on for about three or four and minutes. And so well deserved, you know. I can. Uh, I have. I've seen Leela in action, and in every respect. I mean, whatever she supports, she just goes for it. All well, as you said, you passion. You passionate about it, and I. I think that's something very admirable and something we all need to learn. Yeah, and Habitat for Humanities is uh, so... um, They are very successful in getting uh, industrial and business firms to send their uh, people to act as crews for the houses. And I remember uh, when I was at Baker Hughes, we took a team to build some houses. Have you built any houses, Lisa? Leela, have you actually put a nail hammer and a hammer to together? <laughs> absolutely. There is actually proof. Uh, if you watch the video, you'll see the proof that <laughs> I was wearing a hard hat and I had this nail gun. That nail gun is very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> <And it's> yes. 
very <laughs> dangerous too. You're holding it and boom, 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 it goes, it's just <laughs> yes, amazing. Uh, but I've done it, you know, from scratch, we've been doing all that, both of us. How many houses Actually. have you built? Well, with the Habitat for Humanity, uh, through the Indo-American Charity Foundation, we built two houses. One was when Vijay Butcher was the president. She's the one who invited the director, Dave Daniels, and we got involved in We built the first house. And then there was a break for one year, and then during my term, we built another house. So we built two houses. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Leela, can you tell us about your work with UNICEF? Oh, my. <laughs> I've been with UNICEF for a very long time, right from the inception. And um, actually, we're getting ready to celebrate uh, our 75th year. Uh -huh. UNICEF is going to be on the 30th of November, and it's going to be at the Museum of Science. Museum of Natural Science. Yes. Oh, okay. And there's a celebration. It's going to be celebrated in all the major cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are going to be part of that whole... Of course, of course. ...celebration. Yeah. So we'll be at the Museum of Natural Science on the 30th of November, celebrating on UNICEF's 75th uh, anniversary. Leela, tell me, in all these charities that we talked about, uh, especially Habitat and, of course, UNICEF. Uh, have you? Do you see other South Asian people as deeply involved, other than just being a guest at your table? <laughs> well, one of the main things that we look forward is to is for financial support, and that we are able to get from our Indian community. And I want to thank. Uh, Angela and Charlie Yelmanchali, who came forward with the big, biggest donation of $100,000. Wow, well, that is yes. commendable. Yes, that. And then our friend Trini Mendelhall gave $75,000. Uh -huh. So we, had, we started with, uh, you know, money. And I think this Habitat Award is actually for the community because... So many people bought tables, and uh, you were not there, but, uh, you know, we had such a good showing of our people there. Yeah, at that day, that, that evening this was happening, I was fighting American Airlines to, to get me back home from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> that so, happens, but... Uh, but uh, uh, I wrote the article with your support and uh, for the uh, newspaper, and I was yes, pretty. Thank you so much, Pramod, uh, for oh, certainly. writing such a nice article and and um, and putting us on the front page because we, this time we actually had the mayor come and do the presentation. I want to thank our mayor Sylvester Turner, who came actually uh, to give the award. And <coughs> and I was amazed to see how many. Uh, South Asians and Indians that uh, supported uh, the cause. The cause, and I think it's mainly through the efforts of you and Nat. Yes, I think that's true. Yes. That, that, that they, you brought them in. So there's room more for 
people in the construction business for this because there's a lot of Indians in the construction business, whether they're architects, engineers, or I contractors. Would like, I, I would like them to all get it. You know, involved as you know, we are building this um, model community uh, called Lo Robin's Landing. Mm -hmm. There was a huge article also in the uh, Chronicle about uh, Robin's Landing. We have 127 acres, and we are going to build 468 single homes and 500 uh, multifamily homes, and this is going to have. Everything that a community ever needs, dreams of. And this is all part right of Habitat? There. This is Habitat's project? Oh, yes, it's Habitat's project. And we're going to have a child care center, a library, a senior center, a recreational center, community kitchen, community garden, community hall, a huge park, playground, bike trails, a bank, actually everything that you possibly could want. Leela, where is, is this to going to be? Complete. Sorry. Uh, Northeast Houston. Northeast Houston. Okay, okay wonderful. It's called Andrew. Robin's Landing. Yeah. yeah. And Leela, uh, through Habitat for Humanities, uh, have you come across uh, many Indians or South Asians uh, 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 who are less fortunate, able to take advantage of the housing program? I have not. Oh, okay. Which I guess in one way is a good thing. Yeah. It is. I don't think uh, anybody from us really right but, but i but, qualify for that. but on the other hand our community is qualified enough to support yeah, this kind of that's activity right. yeah, absolutely in in yeah. building materials and services and labor in money uh and uh, i think uh, that's another challenge we need to throw out today promote yeah certainly yeah we, this is uh, you know this project this robin's lang landing hopefully will bring a lot of our community people to support and participate and get really very involved. Yes. Leela, is there any chance on volunteering, like um, the youth volunteers, can they help in this or do they, uh, is it? Yes, they have to be 16. Okay. Yeah, makes and sense. Over. So high and school students can yeah, support yeah. it. Uh, uh, so Leela, can we talk about Shankar Netrale? Oh, I'd love to talk about Shankaran Yeah. another big, huge passion of mine, fighting blindness in India. Shankaran Australia, I think two years in a row, has received uh, the title or uh, recognition as being the best ophthalmology hospital in the world. Wow, yeah, no, I've actually global been Global ranking, global, it's not just... In India, but this is a global ranking. Yes, that's quite an achievement. And can you believe that it just takes sixty-five dollars to save a person's eyes? Oh that's wow! All that's needed, sixty-five dollars. Yeah, and you can save a person's eyes. I have to say also that the Indian community has been very supportive. Our own community has been. I keep getting. You know, when they announce it on the radio, I get calls and people that I don't even know. Getting uh, support from people you know is fine, and but by announcing it on the radio, we get people whom we have we don't know. Right, we uh, still want to support. 
I, I was um, on I was on the board of the Shankar Nitalia Ophthalmic yes, Foundation with Lila, and actually I went to see the hospital in Chennai. Oh. I was really impressed, uh, and they're they're doing absolutely wonderful work with the poor people who 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 suffer from the thing that I didn't even know you could be suffered could suffer from. It's called sun blindness. Oh. If you work in the fields, you can go blind by just being around so much sun. And 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 these people were yeah. treated. And and uh, free of cost, and they were able to recover their sight. Yes, they have actually a very modern uh, uh, set of two trucks that go and in, into the fields and do operations oh. right there. Oh, okay. So it's very very nice. And maybe a, as Mesu, um, the mobile eye right unit, which goes out to the villages, mm-hmm. and we have the two vans, one which screens the patients. And the other one is a totally, you know, uh, operating theater on wheels. Yes. Oh. It's built so it doesn't move. You know, you cannot have the bus shaking when the when the surgery is going <laughs> that on. That would be very unfortunate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Leela, you must have uh, visited the Netrala in Chennai several times. Yes, I have. And uh, we have all the state-of-the-art um, equipment there. And also, I want to say that people who join Shankar and Netralia never leave. They're all there for 20 years, 30 years. Sure. They just, I think they join because of wanting to serve the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leela, I'm going to cut you yeah. short. I'm sorry. I'm almost out of time. I want to throw out your number. Can I throw out your number for people who want sure. to do? Okay. People, if you want to support the, the things that Leela has talked about, Shankar Netralia, uh, Habitat, and so on, it's 832-654-9444. That's her private cell number. So don't forget and tell everyone that it was, you know, it's not unlisted, thank God. Uh, I want to just say in closing, thank you very much, um, Jay and uh, the Indo-American News for and promote the and, and on the Jyoti. front page and... Thank you very much to the entire Indian community for the support. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Lila. Bye. 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 World news, movie reviews, and local community roundup every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. on Masala 98.7 FM. Hi, I'm Jawahar. I'm Sanchali. And I'm Pramod. Indo American News Radio. If there is anything better than buying your own home, then it's buying it at ease. At Loan Factory, get your rate with just a few clicks. And what if I tell you that you can buy your home without any income or employment checks? We provide loans for non-U.S. citizens. Get the most competitive rates. You want your home? Loan Factory will help you get it. Loanfactory.com 832-990-9999 Sheer Hamari Geet Tumhare Presented by Karia कोई लिखे चांद कोई लिखे गुलाब मोहब्बत में सबका अपना अपना हिसाब मैं सोचता हूं तेरी तारीफ में मैं लिखूं एक कागज या लिख दूं एक किताब management.com 
the only South Asian news radio in Texas. Indo-American Indo News Radio. Every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Our studio number, 281-277-6874. Well, folks, we're back towards the last part of our show. Well, almost the last part of our yes. show. We, we still have uh, uh, two 20-minute segments. We have another commercial break. But in between, well, our, our next guest is with us already, and we are really happy to have him with us. I, I'll let you in introduce the guest. But in the meanwhile, I do want to point out that, that our guest, Dr. Kamlesh Lula, is being... His, he, this segment is sponsored by the Oberoi family and the Wendy's brand, and we thank Ricky Oberoi for, for doing that uh, and showing us uh, support and encouragement and, and confidence. Certainly, and thank you very much. Uh, I'm very honored to introduce Dr. Kamlesh Lula. He's a senior leader and an award-winning NASA scientist who has dedicated his life to human space exploration and research in space sciences and technology. Currently, Dr. Lula serves as the Director for University Research Collaborations at, at NASA Johnson Space Center. He has been with NASA for the past 34 years and is a world-renowned expert on space technologies and Earth observations in space science. Dr. Lula has earned international acclaim for his research and innovations. In recognition of his accomplishment in the scientific research that made the country of his birth, India, proud, the Government of India and the President of India bestowed the prestigious Pravasi Bharatiya Sanman Medal and Award in 2015 at Gandhi in Gujarat, India. So, Dr. Lula, welcome to our show. And I just want to add one more thing to this, promote uh, a little bit more background, and then we'll let uh, Kamlesh actually take the, the, the mic. He was born in Baroda, Gujarat, and uh, moved to Houston 34 years ago. He's been in the U.S. for 44 years. He has two PhDs. Forget just one PhD. He has two PhDs one from the MS University of Baroda in Environmental Science, and the second PhD from Indiana State U uh, University in the U.S. in Space and Geosciences. He has two bachelors in Chemistry and Biology. Man, this man has really studied hard. Yes. Uh, he has a master's in Environmental Geoscience. He was a tenured university full professor before joining NASA. He has trained astronauts in science payloads, including the late Kalpana Chavala and Sunita Williams, among most of the shuttle-era astronauts. Kamlesh, this is marvelous. How did you do all this? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. I think to old friends, I have uh, worked with you and promote when... Uh, when I was young and more energetic, I used to write columns for Indo-American. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, we remember we, that very much. Yeah, we, we enjoyed those. Yeah, we have them. And then as I, as I got busy with my other work, I uh, had to let that go. But I may do that sometime in the future. But first of all, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure and honor to be with you. Uh, and uh, before I start, I wanted to actually, if I may, if you permit me, uh, uh, make a disclaimer. You sure, know, uh, sure. The, 
opinions and, and, and the discussions I'm having this afternoon or this evening with you and your listeners are my own personal opinions. They do not represent my agency, NASA, or the United States government uh, opinions. These are my personal views and and uh, so that uh, you understand that right, uh, talking is <laughs> we, we official <laughs> disclaimer is, we know we know we got to do that yes yeah so this is uh, but but uh, to, to to answer your question i was born in a family of educators and my uh, uh, brothers and sisters and uh, uh, my parents uh, basically said education is key to success we were uh, not a very uh, well to do family in baroda by the way a lot of uh, some of you do not know that I was born in Baroda, in Gujarat, so I'm Gujarati by birth. But my family moved to Gujarat after the country was divided. A partition happened, and uh, I was this was much before my birth, and I was born in Free India, of course. But uh, they came uh, with nothing, and uh, they came from uh, Sindh. Is it Sindh? Yes, they came from Karachi. Ah, they came from Karachi, and then they landed uh, actually in a small a town uh, near Dwarka in Gujarat called Ukha. Uh-huh. Ukha was under the Gaikwad government, the Maharaja Gaikwad, and he uh-huh. took took the Punjabi re- refugees, Sindhi refugees, other refugees, and sent them to a big city called Baroda because there was not much he could do for refugees in a small town of Ukha. So I was born in Baroda uh, to a parents who had just lost everything in the partition. Wow. And, and, and uh, so to us, and to whole family, my brothers and my sisters who uh, 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 were uh, teachers, became teachers and educators, em- education was a great, great uh, emphasis. And so uh, just to give you a sense of this and from my family perspective, I am, uh, you know, we are seven, we were seven brothers and two sisters, and out of seven brothers, three of us are PhDs, my two sisters, one of them is PhD, everyone has master, minimum master's degree. Wow. <laughs> That's a very educated uh, family and you must have wonderful discussions at the dinner table. Or or Absolutely. or heated arguments. Yes. All our both. Yeah, so, so the, the reason for telling you that is so uh, I have always felt that uh, uh, no matter what circumstances uh, you know, life so that you, there is always an opportunity provided by hard work and education, and that has been the key to our families. Uh, you know, basically uh, thriving in state of Gujarat that has been great to all the uh, all those uh, partition-based refugees in those days. Right. Certainly. Well, so you came to the U.S., and we know that we just uh, learned in the introduction of all the the areas that you studied and and your growth in a career, and then how, what brought you to NASA? So that's a, that's a very interesting story as well. So I was a fully tenured professor. As I mentioned, at a young age, I got my PhD from the Maharaja Sarajira University uh, in Baroda, and, uh, and I was already a, a, a assistant professor at the university when I got an opportunity to apply for an international fellowship, and I came uh, and uh, I did research, and I... To be honest with you, at that time, I did not have a desire to stay back. And I went back, and actually, when I was doing my PhD in Baroda, I had already started using data from NASA for my environmental geosciences and biophysical studies wow. uh, research. And uh, so when I came here, I got in touch with research scholars, and they encouraged me to continue my pursuit of uh, uh, using space applications and space-related data in solving the uh, issues that we were facing. Uh, both uh, in space as well as on Earth. And so 
uh, after actually that fellowship, I went back to India and uh, continued teaching for a few months. And then an opportunity came for me to join a research group uh, in the United States. And I came back and uh, uh, was offered positions in universities. And at that time, I decided to make uh, another career change. And I got my second PhD yeah. uh, in space and geosciences because I wanted to devote full time to this kind of research. Well, no, 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 Tomesh, I'm going to interrupt you here only yeah. because of the time factor here. But yeah. w- when you say geoscience and you talk yeah. about space, is it a way of analyzing what the Earth uh, contains in minerals and so on and so forth from yeah. space? Yeah, so it's, it's actually both. So geoscience has uh, both the space component and Earth component. So terrestrial geoscience simply means that you are looking at the land views and all the environmental, you, you know, you were talking about climate summit, uh, climate uh, crisis earlier. Mm-hmm. All the things that have are happening on the surface of the earth, everything from atmospheric pollution to water resources to land use to forest fires to fires in California, all that can be observed from a space platform. We have five, almost 5,000 satellites that look at Earth all the time. So mm-hmm. that's one part. The second part is, Geoscience is also useful for studying outer space, like what is the geochemistry on Mars and Moon, mm-hmm. and their geological structures as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see, uh, and and uh, you must have, you must be one of the few people I know that have access to all, all sorts of cameras on all these satellites from all over the globe, right? Uh, absolutely, we have tremendous, tremendous. We are in the age of what I call. Uh, tremendous technology to look at Earth, both from space perspective as well as from uh, aerial perspective to get what I call a global long-term view of what's happening to our planet. You're talking about habitat for humanity. Our own habitat really needs to be looked at more closely. Certainly. Uh, Kamlesh, uh, uh, I remember going to NASA one time and there was a brochure there that discussed all the different ways uh, that space technology or technology from NASA is being converted to practical innovations by commercial companies. And uh, that's quite an achievement starting from, uh, you know, the miniaturization of computers and uh, communications technology. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, we have a great, uh, uh, what we call technology transfer and technology spin-off programs where we uh, we are a tax-funded, uh, taxpayer-funded agency. We are a public agency. Uh, actually, a lot of our information is in public domain. Uh-huh. And these commercial companies really uh, take our technology and do the market uh, research and then uh, customize it and, and certainly make uh, uh, both startup as well as other companies use our technologies for economic growth and benefit for, for the nation. Certainly. And uh, Kamlesh, these days now uh, we have two commercial companies, maybe three, uh, SpaceX and Blue Origin. What do you think of this uh, commercialization of uh, uh, space ventures? Actually, they, uh, as you know, that uh, in every technology as well as every sector of uh-huh. industry, uh, government plays a role uh, in certainly. Uh, spurring, yes. uh, yeah, spurring the, uh, what I call, early growth of that market uh-huh. and so at nasa we are very excited that we are enabling uh commercial space companies that are actually going to take over the low earth, low earth orbit operations after the shuttle stopped flying i spent good 20 years with the space shuttle program so after the shuttle start uh, stopped flying 
the commercial companies were given an opportunity to provide service to take our astronauts to International Space Station. And for that, we actually invested heavily uh, in these companies, both financially as well as technology-wise. Oh, okay. For them, uh, for them to really, uh, for enabling them to really uh, get up to the speed and, uh, and do this. So we are hoping that in future, more companies will come and join this uh, group of uh, what I call initial space pioneer companies. So there is a relationship, really. There is, if you really look at it, there is a relationship between public and private partnership in many different industries, and this is just the latest one in space. Right. I know NASA has actually shared some of their findings in, in weather forecasting, in, in composite materials, in, in other areas over the years, like you're talking yes. about. And, and, yes. and now that they've, they've shared this same uh, development cost, they've actually done the development cost for going out in space with, with SpaceX uh, and, and Blue, Blue Origin, Origin and Boeing. Yeah. Um, yes. The SpaceX actually, their Crew Dragon uh, just uh, module this docked with the space station. Sure. And, and yes. we have an Indian astronaut there, Raja Chari is yes, there. Ra- huh? Raja Chari, yes, absolutely. So for know, six months. In adi- yeah, in addition to, of course, everyone knows about uh, Dr. Kalpana Chawla and yes. me, but, uh, uh, but Raja Chari is the latest one, and we actually have. Uh, Quite a few uh, Indian Americans who are interested in space, and uh, our young generation of Indian Americans from uh, who are born here and born in this country actually are very much active in this activity, not only at NASA but in SpaceX and in Blue Origin. There are quite a few of them employed by those contractors, as well as uh, Boeing, Lockheed, and other major contractors. So I think we we have a very 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 healthy. Uh, ecosystem of our Indian American youngsters getting involved. Certainly, I, and uh, I, I, I've been uh, I've been at NASA 35 years, so I consider myself as a dean of Indian Americans. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you certainly are. Uh, but I remember uh, during the Mars uh, mission, um, uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. There were quite a few uh, Indian Americans in major uh, roles. The, the absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of from from the designers engineers, uh, chief architects of the landing, as well as chief communication officer. They were all the, you know, uh, Indian-American uh, scientists and engineers, absolutely. Rajachari actually is a rookie. He's not someone who actually... He's a, he's a first-time flyer, yes. Right, and he commanded the the module that, oh, okay. that docked yes. with the space station, oh, okay. and yes. he'll be there for yes. six months. Um, and Kamlesh, uh, uh, you, uh, NASA rather, have relationship with ISRO, right, uh, the Indian Space uh, Company? Yes, Indian Space Organization, Indian Space Research Organization, ISRO. Yes. We have actually had a long-term uh, relationship with them. If, if I may, if you permit me, I may just digress a uh, uh, few minutes and let you know that, uh, uh, of course, our India's space architect was uh, Dr. Vikram Sarabhai. Yes. And he actually came to NASA back in the 60s and signed an MOU to work with India's uh, uh, fledgling space agency at that time called ISRO. And actually, NASA allowed uh, ISRO to use its communication satellites so Sarabhai could beam television signals into villages in different parts of India. So it has a long relationship with ISRO. And more importantly, what Dr. Sarabhai did, and a lot of, our, a lot of my community people do not know, that Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam, who was... Uh, uh, our space scientists as well in India yes. was trained at NASA in rocketry. Oh, uh, rocketry. really? How about yeah, that? We didn't know that. We, yeah, we yes, if you read 
Dr. Kalam's book, Wings, on, Wings of Fire, his bio- autobiography, uh, uh, he writes very clearly that for about eight months, he came to NASA Wallace Rocket Facility and learn how to do rocketry. <laughs> right. So, uh, Kamlesh, in, your, in, in the introduction, we talked about you were the director of Earth Observational uh, yes. mm-hmm. s- yes. Studies, right. maybe, meaning yeah. you, you were able to view the Earth in many, many facets and many yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and and what did you learn well, i mean obviously that's a loaded question but um, can you learn a lot by just observing the earth or do you actually absolutely. use different filters absolutely there is a, a tremendous amount of technology that has developed over the past 35 40 years where actually we can uh, monitor uh, not only gross major global changes but even subtle changes so for example you can monitor not only the uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of agriculture and see how the crops are doing, but you can actually pinpoint which part of the uh, field needs more fertilizer or less water so that you can uh, resource, use resources wisely, what we call space-based precision agriculture. It's like precision, precision surgery, you know, for example. So there are lots of technologies we have developed that uh, allow us to measure, monitor, and actually manage Earth's resources. I see. Oh, that's tremendous. Well, you know, we're going to be going to a commercial break in about a minute. And uh, you, this, I just wanted to plant the seed here on what you just, and expand on what you just said. In this case, we ought to be able to tell which farmers in which parts of the world are not getting enough water. And therefore, one of the reasons why they're making the arduous trek through Central America to come to the U.S., well, you could actually, that's a very interesting point. The migration of people is easily, easily, easily tracked from uh, the technology we have in space. Right. So uh, don't go away, folks. We're going to be talking to Kamlesh uh, Dr. Lula in a few minutes. Uh, if, with more uh, on this fascinating subject. Uh, and, and hopefully you can tell us how they can monitor climate change and how things are happening in that department. This is Indo-American News Radio. We hope you're enjoying the show today. We will be back after these commercial messages. Don't go away. If you have any questions, it's 281-277-6874. This is Jawahar and Pramod, and we'll be back. Indo-American News Radio. India News. U.S. News. World News. Movie Reviews. And Local Community Roundup. Every Saturday. 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Hi, I'm Jawahar. I'm Sanchali. And I'm Prabhon. Indo-American News Radio. Tujhe anguthi pehanana to sirf ek bahana hai. मैं हमेशा तेरे साथ हूँ। तुझको ये एहसास दिलाना है महाराजा डायमंड्स की अंगूठी से। Oh, I love it! Exclusive engagement rings by Maharaja Diamonds. मेरे हाथ में तेरा हाथ हो सारी मेरे साथ Maharaja Jewelers bringing diamonds to life. Five eight two one Hillcroft seven one three seven eight four five six seven three. 
Masala Radio 98.7 FM, 24-7 Masala. We reach 250,000 people in the greater Houston area. We are proud to promote the best businesses in our community. To promote your brand or business on Masala Radio, call Rinku, 281-277-6874. Or email rinku at masalaradio.com. You're protective of your money. And why wouldn't you be? You work hard. You stick to a budget. You save. So you deserve a company that has your budget in mind. At Discount Power, we care for our customers by offering affordable electricity to fit your lifestyle. Just because it's an essential doesn't mean it needs to be expensive. That means more money to do more of the things you want. Discount Power. Why pay more for electricity? Visit DiscountPowerTX.com and sign up now. PUCT number 10177. The only South Asian news radio in Texas. Indo-American Indo News Radio. Every Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. On Masala 98.7 FM. Our studio number, 281-277-6874. It was nice to hear uh, Sanchali on the on, on the, the on the jingle commercial uh, on the jingle on so the jingle. So we miss it, um, Kamlesh. Uh, so tell us, how can you can you tell what uh, if climate change is real from all your observations of the Earth from space? So NASA has been actually looking at Earth for a long time. Actually, the first. Uh, uh, satellite that we sent in 60s, uh, and of course, uh, both human space flight and automated satellites have been monitoring Earth for a long time, and uh, uh, NASA is certainly uh, tracking uh, the changes that are occurring on our planet. So the idea that the uh, planet is changing is not new, and the idea that we and our activities are contributing factor is not new. And as a matter of fact, I, if I may digress for a second, the word such as greenhouse or greenhouse gases really are not new. The earliest paper uh, on greenhouse or greenhouse gases was done uh, in early 19th century, in late 1800s. So the ideas have been there for a long time. What has been happening is now we are getting more and more evidence. So, for example, the amount of carbon dioxide increasing, the global temperatures rising, the Arctic ice, uh, for example, uh, uh, going down uh, in, in the decades, uh, we have seen the ice sheets going down. So all those evidences are uh, available to us, both from satellite data and then the satellite data uh, from NASA, as well as other countries, such as uh, even India has, uh, you know, Earth observation satellites. Europe has Earth observation satellites. Can, can you give an example of one of the something like this? Uh, what kind of example, for example? Example of uh, climate, climate change. Uh, Climate change yeah. on the Earth. Yeah. So, so for example, I will give example from my own research. So, uh, for several years, I've been monitoring the uh, what we call forest fires in Amazon. You probably have been hearing about Amazon quite right. a bit oh, yes. lately because of climate summit. And so, we have seen uh, from our data from uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, as we go, that for so from few forests fires that we used to see early on. Now we have millions of square kilometers uh, covering Amazon forest in, under smoke. And that alters the regional balance of uh, evapotranspiration energy balance. As a result, the cloud, cloud patterns change and the uh, rainfalls become more erratic. And as a result, you can actually see that uh, the 
areas, uh, both the land use areas and the areas that are on the surface of the earth, go through drastic change. Some parts uh, of that Amazon that are now under, uh, no longer under the forest cover, are actually showing the signs of degradation as a result. And so that can sort of, sort of have effect. The area that used to get a lot of rain uh, is getting diminished rains because there is no uh, hydrologic cycle operating as, as it used to. So there are lots of areas we can actually see. The other thing we see, and uh, again from my own personal research, we are seeing that there are several lakes and water bodies uh, around the planet that are either declining or, or even dying in some cases. Like the RLC. Yeah, yeah l like the RLC or, or certain areas like Lake Chad in Africa. Mm -hmm. So I can give you a lot of examples, even my own, on, on my own research for the last twenty-five plus years. So, so why is why why is it that there are so many people who are who are denying this? So, so many politicians, especially, who seem to be denying this. I guess it's politics, huh, promote yeah, yeah, well, the, 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 the there are two actually, from my personal opinion perspective, there are two uh, uh, reasons. One is of course politics and uh, their beliefs that are uh, shaped by whatever information they uh, would like to consume. But the second is, it does not affect them directly, immediately. As a result, yeah. they don't see that there is a change or there is a crisis coming. It's, for example, the sun still goes up. You can still buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So for them, really, the change has not uh, hit home yet. Yes. Those people, uh, once they see that, of course, their uh, life is going to be changed because of this uh, uh, climate-related events, then they will actually open their uh, uh, eyes, if you will. So I, I believe it's a, it's a matter of experience. Yeah, but by that time it may be too late, right? It, it could be, yes. But I think uh, we are very optimistic at NASA that we can monitor, we can manage, we can measure, and therefore we can certainly mitigate and, and more importantly, become, become a resilient society and do adaptation. Because mm -hmm. right now uh, we have to look for both uh, a multi-pronged approach. The multi-pronged approach is to monitor, see what we can do to reduce the emissions, reduce the temperature rise, and at the same time, what are the areas and technologies we can develop that can mitigate these. And the third approach is, of course, how can we adapt? Some right. areas may be you know, irrecoverable, for example, and how can we adapt to those changes? Well, you know, and, the, and the, the canyon uh, fire that was in California last, uh, earlier this summer, Right. And for millions of acres, it created yes. its own microclimate. Exactly. It, yes. it had the it, effect of raising the temperature there and, 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 yes. and water vapor and so on and so forth. Yes. It was all changed, and therefore it affected us down the road when it came down to Texas, for example. Yes. Also, yes. There's, so, so there's still that gigantic swirling blob of plastic in the Bering Sea, right? Yes, yes. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But, yes. but yes. but uh, I mean, people see know about these things, but there doesn't seem to be the the urge to do anything about it. Yeah, I think uh, I think that one thing is is that right now, even though these processes are global, and at NASA we have established beyond doubt that these things are global in nature. So, for example, uh, if the Saharan dust, as you probably have heard on your TV news. Saharan dust travels all the way from Africa, uh, goes to rainforest, comes to Houston as well. And, you know, uh, uh, so the forest fires that are burning in, in California can actually spread their smoke to all different parts of the country as well. Uh, so even though these are global and regional episodes, uh, the 
local uh, uh, impact unless it is realized you know people are not paying uh, attention to that because they think well it doesn't affect me and that's not necessarily the case and so very soon it may not not be the case right for for, for example yeah. i'll give you, give you an example Com- so the kamlesh we we're almost out of time i, okay. I, I hate to Fine. do this i we we um, but but why don't you quickly give this example and then we'll if you got no, the, the example I was going to give, uh, we already mentioned that. So, for for example, uh, the forest fires that you are mentioning are forests that uh, burns in different parts of uh, Mexico. All the winds bring all the way to the southern and central Texas. And as a matter of fact, so if you are a person with uh, lung problems, with respiration problems, you start feeling that hey, nothing is happening on my in my area, but still, I'm not feeling the or something else and some environmental condition at, at uh, you know hundreds of miles away might have caused this change that is affecting me so yeah, that r- that's sort of a global link but right. i understand your time constraint and maybe we can talk some other time as yes, oh no, no we we would love to have you back on the show one more time because yeah. the, we this is like incomplete <laughs> yeah, feels incomplete. Feels incomplete. Dr. Kamlesh Lula, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, wonderful Saturday afternoon to share uh, your knowledge and to to uh, give us a cautionary uh, warning about the climate exactly. change. Exactly. There's something we can individually act on. Thank you once again, sir. Thank you, sir, so much, and I appreciate the invitation and look forward to talking to you. It's great to hear you on the radio, at least. Right. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have you. Time. We'll have, yeah, certainly, certainly. You, and please do start writing for us again. Yes. We'll do. We'll okay. Do. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we were talking to Kamlesh Lula, and uh, now we're almost out of time, Pramod. I've got enough time for one song. Yes. And then you've got about four minutes before... But I'll... <laughs> take uh, uh, one question that I wanted to talk to Kamlesh Lula about is whether uh, viruses travel uh, along with these forest fires and other weather systems that are up in the sky. Anyway, that's a question for next time. And I do want to mention uh, as far as sports and movies is that uh, cricket fans are looking forward to tomorrow uh, morning at 8 a.m., when the T20 World Championship final game will take place between India and Australia. I'm sorry, not India, but New Zealand and Australia. Slip of the tongue. I wish, yeah, that was a Freudian slip, hoping India would have been there. Yeah. But neither India nor Pakistan. Pakistan had a great team and they reached the semifinals, but they couldn't uh, uh, beat out the Australians. So wow. it's Australia versus New Zealand. I see. Well, yeah, well, we wish. Who are you rooting for, Pramod? Uh, I think I'm rooting for the small guy, New Zealand. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> the Kiwis. The Kiwis. Yes. Well, folks, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, spending your afternoon with us, even though we are, we are missing Sanchali, and hopefully she's listening in. She didn't call, so I guess maybe she's not listening in, you know. But we, she's partying. She's partying. Party girl. <laughs> so... And how does she do it? Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that can be our new signature. The new signature, really. Um, What's gonna, the song you're going to play? Well, we're going to close off uh, with this very nice song. It's um, it's by uh, uh, an artist who's been gone for quite some time, actually. I'll give a little backstory on her. Uh, 